I'm Halima Atta, and welcome back to another episode of A Little Perspective. Welcome back to everyone listening. It's very refreshing to get to speak again during an introduction as opposed to relying solely on my pre-recorded bit. And I say this because last week's episode was an interview, which you should definitely check out and listen to if you haven't already. I talked about rainbow washing and got to interview a very special guest, so be sure to check that out. Anyway, as I finish off my first month of summer, the thought of school is still one that lingers throughout my mind, and not in a I miss writing papers in the wee hours of the morning and studying for test way, but rather in an I'm applying for college in a matter of months and need to start preparing my mind to learn again way. And on that note, staying in touch with some of my teachers and educators I'm in contact with at school is a great way for me to keep my mind afloat. I actually follow my AP seminar teacher on Instagram, and although the thought of being connected to something even adjacent to school during summer break might seem awful, it's pretty nice to see her post on my feed. The thing is, this teacher of mine avoids posting stress-inducing content during vacation and really ever, and instead shares insight from herself and other educators like herself on certain issues within the education system. But while she posts content like this relatively often, it isn't as often that her posts align perfectly with current news. Just last month, she posted an infographic-style post about critical race theory, and more specifically, how its inclusion into Florida schools was banned by Ron DeSantis, the governor of the state of Florida. To provide just a little more context on this, on June 10th, the Floridian Board of Education banned critical race theory from public classrooms, claiming that its introduction could quote-unquote distort historical events. And my first reaction to seeing this post and to seeing, you know, this current event was that, wow, that's a pretty radical decision to make. You know, I didn't even know much about critical race theory myself, but I'd heard about it as, you know, the conversation about it has kind of emerged recently. But I was so confused as to why such a radical move. I mean, banning critical race theory entirely from all public classrooms in the state of Florida, that's a pretty big move to make. So I was pretty shocked, but also confused because I wasn't very informed on critical race theory at all, which led me to formulate the idea for this episode, which you can probably tell from the title is going to be focused on critical race theory. If you don't have a clue what that is, be sure to continue listening to learn all about everything related to critical race theory, what it is, its founding basis, and why such a controversy surrounds its implementation into the school system. Although the roots of this topic have existed for centuries, much like other race-related topics within this country, critical race theory has long gone disregarded and unheard of by many, meaning it's important to establish what it even is, what it means, before continuing the discourse surrounding it. According to Encyclopedia Britannica, critical race theory can be defined as an intellectual movement and loosely organized framework of legal analysis based on the premise that race is not a natural, biologically grounded feature of physically distinct subgroups of human beings, but a socially constructed or culturally invented category that is used to oppress and exploit people of color. Now, this is a pretty packed definition, but to kind of water it down and make it a little easier to understand, essentially, race is something that was created by man. It's something that we invented as human beings. It's nothing that is innate. There's no biological reasoning or background for race and why it exists. Now, critical race theory doesn't only expand on this, but it also goes into depth about how this racial hierarchy that man has created, something that's not biological, has affected the way that we view each other as human beings and how that viewpoint has affected our systems, our legal systems, our criminal justice systems, etc. 
On a related note, Encyclopedia Britannica goes on to mention that critical race theorists hold that the law and legal institutions in the United States are inherently racist insofar as they function to create and maintain social, economic, and political inequalities between white people and non-white people, especially black Americans. Meaning, critical race theory can be considered a history-type class, maybe something history-adjacent, as well as a legal-based class. It's rooted in legal studies, which is why its implementation into the school system is something that has been viewed as new. A lot of times, people, well, recently people have been mentioning, oh, well, critical race theory talks about race issues. Isn't that something that's covered in normal history classes? You know, when we talk about the transatlantic slave trade and the Jim Crow era, isn't it something we've already covered? But it's not something that's ever really been covered in depth, at least, in the public school system within America, because it focuses on the systemic aspect of racism. Racism, I mean, even the ending, ism, it means systemic. And although that's such a huge part of the word and what it means, it's something that often goes disregarded when it comes to the school system. And just in general, but to focus on the school system, we often talk about, you know, the more the more well-known demonstrations of racism throughout history, slavery. And even that, as massive of an event as it was, as extensive as it was, it, I mean, it didn't even end with the Gettysburg Address, for example. It's something that even continued past its abolition in the 19th century. But it's something that often isn't covered in its entirety. And because of that, many people think, oh, well, I already know about slavery. So, I mean, that's that's as far down as racism goes, right? But it's not, because racism is systemic. And that is what critical race theory seeks to teach people, that it's something that's been embedded in our institutions and in our legal systems and legal, and I have to place an emphasis on legal because it's not just a history class. It's one that's rooted in legal studies, which is something that is not really included in most of the American curriculum, at least for K through 12 students. I mean, legal studies is something that's seen as an elective. It's optional. I know at many different schools, they have legal like law study programs, but that's something that's not really taught in most history classes, which is why critical race theory seeks to expand on it, something that many Americans kind of disregard or are just misinformed about. And this misinformation surrounding what critical race theory even is makes it very important to establish why it's so different from typical history classes, which is because of its fundamentals. The elements of history in which critical race theory chooses to focus on are so just so different from what's covered in, you know, normal classes that are related to history. So, for example, in my AP U.S. history class, I just finished it this year. It was awful, by the way. Very hard. Don't recommend. But in that specific class, we did mention, you know, slavery, of course. It's like a it's a focal point of history classes within America. We talk about, you know, the, the transatlantic slave trade very, very briefly. Like, it's a one-page in the textbook type thing. And then, you know, we'll talk about slavery, but not slavery, you know, the horrors of it in itself, but rather how it was, cre- how it was tied to American politics and the economy and why it, there was such a divide between, you know, the northern and southern states in terms of its legality and if it should be banned or continued, its abolition, all of that stuff. So when we talk about slavery in typical American history classes, we're not talking about, you know, the horrors behind it and why it continued to exist past its quote-unquote abolition in the 19th century. We, we kind of stop there in history classes. With critical race theory, it not only expands on that and why slavery even existed in the first place, but how race relations and how something, a concept as odd as race, 
is something that was related to why black people were always viewed as inferior to white people or just non-black people in general were always viewed as above. So kind of in a nutshell, critical race theory is something that expands on American history and legal studies that are covered within the current curriculum, but rather it places an emphasis on the aspects of those classes that go unnoticed, that go, that are briefly covered. Because a common rebuttal to the inclusion of critical race theory into American public school classrooms is that it's something we already learn about. I mean, we already know about this. Why are we going to focus on it even more? When in reality, critical race theory is something that expands on what we don't even learn about very often. Because if you ask somebody what they know about race relations in America, what they've learned from their, you know, traditional history classes, for example, they'll mention slavery, slavery only, maybe the Jim Crow era, the laws during that era. But even with that time period, the Jim Crow era, we never really learn about the legislation in depth. We maybe learn about a couple Supreme Court cases, but besides that, that's it. When in reality, those Supreme Court cases that we learn about are the tip of the iceberg when it comes to race relations in this country. I think a really specific example to use here would be Brown versus Board of Education. It was a Supreme Court case that occurred between 1952 to 1954, of course, within the U.S., and although we learned about how segregation in American schools was awful, you know, that's wrong and it's morally wrong, we never really go into depth about why the segregation existed in the first place. And maybe you'll answer, oh, you know, white supremacy. But where does that come from? You have to extend, you know, not extend, but kind of travel backwards, do a little time travel into when Columbus got here and maybe even before. Why is it that when he got here, the indigenous people were viewed as inferior? And that is what race relations, those are the race relations that critical race theory seeks to inform people about, students specifically in America about. We always learn about how, you know, slavery is morally wrong or how these racial injustice issues, all this stuff is wrong, but we never really seek to understand why these race relations even exist and why they were so strained. Why, when black people didn't even do anything wrong in this country to even be forced into slavery, even coerced into slavery, we never learn about why these race relations exist in the first place. And that's something that dates all the way back to the creation of race as a concept. And that's something I have never learned about until I started researching for this episode. And that's what critical race theory seeks to inform people about. You know, when we enter these history classes, for most people that have been involved in the American public school system since kindergarten, we know that when we learn about slavery and these racial in, like racial injustice, race issues, we often just believe that race is something that's just been a thing and it's just that's how it is you know you're born you're assigned to race and that's just what life is when in reality race isn't it's some kind of innate concept. It's not something that's biological. There's no reason, there's no biological reasoning for this. I'm not, I don't have, you know, an extra chromosome or a certain chromosome that makes me, oh, like, I'm, I'm black. This is my race. I mean, obviously I have more melanin, but there's no biological reasoning as to why black people are treated in a different manner than white people. You know, why slavery had to exist on the backs of black Americans and why it wasn't, you know, why are we not viewed the same? Even though, you know, we look different, why are we not viewed the same? I know it's a very corny, like surface level quote, but it really does make people wonder, you know, why do these race relations exist in the way that they do? And again, critical race theory seeks to help people understand the answer to just that. Now, to kind of stop the rambling, the curriculum in which critical race theory covers and focuses on can be divided into five main categories. These five tenets or beliefs of critical race theorists are what shape the curriculum and what would be implemented into schools. Five categories include one, the centrality and intersectionality of race and racism, two, the challenging of the dominant ideology, 
Three, the commitment to social justice. Four, the importance of experiential knowledge. And five, the use of interdisciplinary perspectives. So to break this down, I'm going to start at the first point that I mentioned, which is the centrality and intersectionality of race and racism. So this category places an emphasis on the importance of knowing the relationship between racism and race. And while it might seem like a very surface level thing to say, I mean, race and racism are pretty directly related, it means that there's an emphasis placed on knowing how these social structures and institutions that have been put in place were created with race in mind and knowing that the two are intersectional, that there's a close connection between them. And that is what's used to spark social change. So knowing that intersectionality exists between those two is what can be used as a tool to actually spark real change, positive change within society and the legal structures that have been put in place. The next tenet of critical race theory is the challenging of the dominant ideology. Now, this one can be thought of as a little bit more broad than the other. The dominant ideology in this case is what people think is what is what we think is covered, you know, through AP US history, for example, in traditional history classes, whatever is written in there is the dominant ideology. Christopher Columbus came, to, oh, maybe a few, you know, little minor things happened to indigenous people. Fast forward, slavery is done, and that's it. No more racism. That's the dominant ideology that's really taught in these schools. Of course, that's like a watered down, semi sarcastic version. But essentially, the message is there. It's very similar to what's taught in American, traditional American history textbooks. I mean, we cover the, the native peoples and how they were forced to relocate and then we talk about slavery not in depth at all how maybe the Jim Crow era existed flash forward to you know the 90s that's usually where most textbooks end now and that's it that's what we know as American history so basically um, critical race theory seeks to challenge this dominant ideology that racism is no more it challenges the ideology that racism is some is something that exists on solely an individual level with the existence of slurs, for example, when really it's something that is mostly systemic and is why there are so many obstacles and hurdles that many black Americans and just ethnic groups in the United States have to get over to reach success. The next tenet of critical race theory is the commitment to social justice. Now, this one is a little more self-explanatory, but essentially what it means is that people People who advocate for critical race theory or critical race theorists are people that seek to not only inform others about the, the actual like contents of critical race theory, but they hope to mobilize others to spark, again, as I mentioned before, social change. So they want to teach about this side, the legal studies, the history side of this course, but also they want to help inform people and give them the knowledge to want to improve the conditions of the country for people that are subordinated. The fourth tenet of critical race theory is the importance of experiential knowledge. Now, oftentimes when at least I and many people like myself think of American textbooks, just traditional history textbooks within this country, we don't think of actual real stories from real people, their encounters of these events that we learn about. It's simply what happened at the event and we move on. That's it. We reflect on the event itself, but not what actual people have to say about it. Because, you know, most of these people are not alive. These happened, these events happened centuries ago, you know, they're no more. However, racism is something that has continued to persist throughout all of the years. So much so that many people who have encountered Encounter these events are still alive, but many textbooks make it seem as if they're not. Fun fact, most textbooks feature Martin Luther King and just many popular civil rights activists and pioneers in black and white photos to make it seem as if they didn't happen like in the 60s, which was pretty recent. I mean, most of us have family members that were alive during that time. The 60s wasn't that long ago. It was less than a century ago. So I mean, these events that were happening like near 50 years ago, that's really recent. 
and many textbooks make it seem as if they were not, as if they occurred centuries and centuries ago, when racism is a recent issue that's been happening for centuries and continues to persist today. But on that note, a very important aspect of critical race theory is that it seeks to get knowledge and insight from people who have actually witnessed these events. When coming, when talking about racism and legal studies related to it, critical race theory seeks to understand the perspectives and the experiences of people that have actually seen it with their own eyes. Because racism and these demonstrations that we learn about are recent. It's a new. It's a recent thing. I mean, obviously, like their concept of racism isn't new. It's been some. It's been. It's existed for a long time. But these demonstrations, like the Little Rock Nine, that occurred in 1957. Eight of the nine Little Rock Nine were people that are people that are still alive. I mean, they're still alive today. They can give their accounts of what happened when they attempted to desegregate Little Rock Central High School in 1957. It was so recent that these people, most of them, are still alive today. And their insight is what critical race theorists would want to include in their curriculum. The fifth tenet of critical race theory is the use of interdisciplinary perspectives. Now, when critical race theorists use the term interdisciplinary perspective or perspectives, they mean that it's important to look at these issues, these racial issues, racial injustice demonstrations from different viewpoints and different lenses and kind of similar to intersectionality to see how they work together. A good demonstration of how this curriculum would work would be looking at certain events from a historical and emotional lens or a psychological lens. Now, looking back at what critical race theory seeks to inform students and just learners throughout the country on, it doesn't seem like something that would be wrong to implement into the public school system. I mean, it seems like a pretty good progressive approach to history and legal studies, right? But many people oppose it because there is a focal viewpoint, you know, of those in opposition to it that it's un-American. And to read the words from a state petition here in Florida that I read recently, it says that you have been very clear that embracing a traditional American education focused on reading, writing, math, and civics is the only acceptable way forward. Critical race theory is a major threat to traditional American education. In reality, critical race theory isn't anything radical. It's not something super, super, super different from American history. And while obviously, yes, it does have its differences, it should be viewed as rather an expansion of legal studies within the country, of history within the country, rather than an entirely different, you know, an entirely different curriculum that has nothing to do with history at all. Because while it does have its differences, it only expands on what wasn't taught or what was taught wrong, taught wrongly within the American system. It's not like, you know, a new concept that's just been created, but rather what's been breezed over in traditional history and legal studies classes. So it's not un-American, it's simply a new curriculum. But perhaps one of the biggest reasons why people are opposed to critical race theory is because they think that it blames racism on every white person to ever exist in America when it actually attributes it to the system. And to read from an article by the Brookings Institution, Critical race theory does not attribute racism to white people as individuals or even to entire groups of people. Simply put, critical race theory states that U.S. social institutions like the criminal justice system or education system are laced with racism embedded in laws, regulations, rules, and procedures that lead to differential outcomes by race. But the problem comes in when you realize that many Americans are not able to separate their individual identity as Americans, as people, from the social institutions that govern them. These people perceive themselves as being the system. And the fact that so many cannot differentiate themselves from the system presents an issue in itself. 
based on text from this same article that speaks to how normative racial ideology is to American identity, that some people just cannot separate the two. Which goes back to just how extensive the concept of race is. The fact that it's not something that has, you know, biological backing or reasoning, it's just something that man is created to subordinate others is so, it's so hard to believe for me and just many people. And that's what critical race theory seeks to make people a little bit more knowledgeable about. Also, there is much misinformation about who critical race theory would be taught to. A petition made by the Florida Citizens Alliance, which I had previously mentioned, stated these words verbatim. Don't let schools teach kids to be ashamed of their race. Meaning, it's assumed that critical race theory, in its entirety, with all detail and everything, would be taught to children. In reality, critical race theory is an advanced level course, which has actually been implemented into several colleges and universities. And due to the fact that it's rooted in legal theory, children would be learning about a watered-down version, as most history and law-adjacent type courses are taught to students in elementary and middle schools. A common rebuttal to the inclusion of critical race theory in schools is that it would teach Americans to hate their skin color, when really, it would effectively work to do quite the opposite. The number of black Americans and just minority groups that currently hate their skin colors right now that are taught this by large institutions is immense. And this exists due to the failure of schools to teach that racism is literally systemic, that there are systems in place institutions, legal systems that make it significantly harder for certain demographics to succeed. Many are already taught to hate their skin because they're not taught about these obstacles and barriers that exist that aren't their fault, but that exist because of centuries of white supremacy. So really, critical race theory isn't anything super radical, but rather an expansion of what has already been taught, or rather covered very briefly in the school system. Teaching Americans about the very flawed founding ideologies of their country won't make them hate themselves, but rather motivate them to want to make the country better, which is the most American thing anyone can do. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to this episode of A Little Perspective. I hope you learned something new about critical race theory because I knew almost nothing about it before researching for this episode, and it's really refreshing to get to hear different lenses on such a complex topic and concept that often goes breezed over in schools and in general throughout the country. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave a rating at Apple Podcasts, and be sure to check out the podcast on Instagram at A Little Persp Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and be sure to come back next week for a new episode here on A Little Perspective.